Hey there, Sean Rosenstiel here, continuing our video series of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Just want to take a minute before we start and, and thank you for being here with me today. You know, I've really appreciated the likes and subscribes and comments along the way. Please keep doing it. It helps me to continue on this path as we reach chapter six, which has to do with imagination. And I absolutely love this chapter. Let's dive right in here and talk about the first key point. Man's only limitation. What a powerful point here. I'm on page 77. Napoleon says that man can create anything which he can imagine. Man's only limitation within reason lies in his development and use of his imagination. And if you're not convinced that that statement's true, I'm hoping that you'll think back over the period of, gosh, history, <laughs> since man has started recording history. And look at some of the profound advancements we've made along the way. You know, just, just think about some of the stories of the people Napoleon writes about in this book, the Carnegies, the Fords, the Darbys of the world. It's just amazing. So I hope that you'll embrace this point because I think many years ago, I would have balked at it a little bit, but I'm a strong believer in this now, that our own limitation lies directly in our own ability to develop our own minds and develop our own imaginations. Uh, I think that's such a strong and powerful point. You know, it reminds me of that, that saying, you know, all I need is within me now. And I don't know if you've ex experienced that that's true in your life or not, but I've certainly experienced, especially in the last decade, that it's been true in mind. In mind, you know, everything that I need is within me now. And for me, that relates back to using my own imagination to solve problems, for creative thinking, to overcome obstacles in my life, to serve others, whatever it is that I'm looking to do. My imagination is one of the most powerful tools I've got. And I hope that as you read through this chapter, you'll feel that same way too. Second key point here is synthetic versus creative. And here Napoleon kind of talks about the two different types of imagination. So I'm on page 77, and this will bleed into page 78 for those of you who are following along with the Tribeca Books version of Think and Grow Rich, link is available down below. He says that the imaginative faculty functions in two forms. One is synthetic imagination and the other is creative imagination. Synthetic imagination. Through this faculty, one may arrange old concepts, ideas, or plans into new combinations. This faculty creates nothing. It merely works with the material of experience education, and observation with which it is fed. It is the faculty used most by the inventor. With the exception of the, those who draw upon the creative imagination when he cannot solve his problem through synthetic imagination. Creative imagination. Through the faculty of creative imagination, the finite mind of man has direct communication with infinite intelligence. It is the faculty through which hunches and inspirations are received. It is by this faculty that all basic or new ideas 
are handed over to man. It is through this faculty that thought vibrations from the minds of others are received. It is through this faculty that one individual may tune in or communicate with the subconscious minds of other men. This faculty functions only when the conscious mind is vibrating at an exceedingly rapid rate, as for example, when the conscious mind is stimulated through the emotion of a strong desire. Wow. So he's talking about synthetic versus creative. And I know in my own life, probably up until about six years ago, when I got into a regular practice of meditation, I was 100% synthetic, baby. <laughs> you know, like I was problem solving with my logical and my conscious mind nonstop. And I'd oftentimes hit roadblocks. I would get stuck and it was so frustrating. And then six years ago, I began a meditation practice and I began using my creative faculty of my mind. And what's neat now is I have more awareness for when my synthetic or my logic or my uh, conscious mind gets stuck. And I move faster into that mode of creative imagination now. You know what I mean? Like I'm able to recognize when I get stuck and when I do, I just simply say, okay, you know, this is out of my control. I can't solve this by myself. It's time to meditate on this. And it's a really neat distinction between the two functions of your imagination. Certain points in your life, certain problems you're struggling with, that synthetic part of your imagination just can't get it done. You know, it's that one based on your own experience. And at times, it gets really frustrated. So just remember here that if you reach the point where you're stuck, move over towards that creative side of your imagination and give a little more faith and trust in it that it can give you that insight that you need to move on the other side, overcome that obstacle, whatever it may be. Third point here is more alert with use. I'm on page 78 again. It says both the synthetic and creative faculties of imagination become more alert with use, just as any muscle or organ of the body develops through use. So six years ago, you know, I had a big muscle for this synthetic part of my imagination. I used it. That's all I knew how to use. The good news here is that in the same token where, where, where that synthetic part of your imagination grows stronger with use, so will the creative faculty of your imagination. But you've got to get started. You've got to start somewhere, right? So as you start using that creative faculty of your imagination more and more and more over time, it will begin to become more and more alert with use. That's what he's suggesting here. Fourth key point. The first step, I'm on page 59 now, excuse me, 79. He says, reduce your plan to writing. The moment you complete this, you will have definitely given concrete form to the intangible desire. The moment you reduce the statement of your desire and a plan for its realization to writing, you have actually taken the first step of a series of steps which will enable you to convert the thought into its physical counterpart. Now I'm gonna check you again here. The second chapter on desire, 
there's a series of six steps. It was a formula to get whatever it is that you want, not just financially speaking, but in any area of your life. Have you done that? Have you taken the first step of a series of steps and actually put that plan into writing? So important that you do. Once again, if you haven't done so already, in the success guide below, it's available via PDF. That's taken out of the book, that six-step formula, and it's put into writing so that you can actually do some journaling there and get your ideas on paper. That's what Napoleon's talking about here. So I'm gonna check you again. Have you done that? If not, pause this video, shut it down, and go do that <laughs> right away, okay? Fifth key point here is nature's method. I'm on page 79 again. He says that this earth, every one of the billions of individual cells in your body and every atom of matter began as an intangible form of energy. Desire is thought impulse. Thought impulses are forms of energy. When you begin with a thought impulse, desire to accumulate money, you are drafting into your service the same stuff that nature used in creating this earth and every material form in the universe, including the body and brain in which the thought impulses function. The entire universe consists of but two elements, matter and energy. Through the combination of energy and matter has been created everything perceptible to man, from the largest star which floats in the heavens down to and including man himself. You are now engaged in the task of trying to profit by nature's method. You are, sincerely and earnestly, we hope, trying to adapt yourself to nature's laws by endeavoring to convert desire into its physical or monetary equivalent. Wow, I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in going up against mother nature. <laughs> you know. In my view, it's the most powerful force on the planet. So what's incredible about this, using your imagination, especially the creative faculty of your imagination, is that you're finally using nature's method to help you get whatever it is that you want. As Napoleon Hill suggests here, you are drafting into your service the same stuff that nature used in creating this earth in every material form in the universe, including the body and brain in which the thought impulses function. So if you haven't taken a meditation practice seriously in life just yet, or if you're not in the habit of using the creative faculty of your imagination, I'm hoping that Napoleon words here will convince you to get going on that, right? So sixth key point here, hard work and honesty alone. I'm all the way out on page 86 now. Napoleon says that if you are one of those who believe that hard work and honesty alone will bring riches, perish the thought. It is not true. Riches, when they come in huge quantities, are never the result of hard work. Riches come if they come at all in response to definite demands based upon the application of definite principles and not by chance or luck. So I think so many of us 
who have followed conventional wisdom for a certain amount of years in our life think that hard work will alone will bring riches. And back to what Napoleon talked about, I think it was in the preface, he talked about ideas. And if I can remember correctly, let me look it up real quick because it's a powerful, powerful statement. He says that all riches, or no, he says that all achievement, all earned riches have their beginnings in an idea. So that's such a powerful statement, isn't it? So we must perish this thought of believing that hard work and honesty alone will bring riches. Instead, we have to appreciate the fact that all earned riches in huge quantities usually come in the form of an idea, of an idea, right? And to further that point here, the last key point I want to address is this. Ideas take on a power of their own. I'm on page 88 now. To close out this chapter, he says that first you give life and action and guidance to ideas. Then they take on power of their own and sweep aside all opposition. Ideas are intangible forces, but they have more power than the physical brains that gave birth of them. They have the power to live on after the brain that creates them has returned to dust. For example, take the power of Christianity. That began with a simple idea, born in the brain of Christ. Its chief tenet was, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Christ has gone back to the source whence he came, but his idea goes marching on. Someday it may grow up and come into its own. Then it will have fulfilled Christ's deepest desire. The idea has been developing only 2,000 years. Give it time. <laughs> and no matter what your religious beliefs are, this is such a neat concept, isn't it? That ideas take on a power of their own. And I think it's a good reminder that once you have an incredible idea to nurture it and to use that creative faculty of your imagination to further it, to develop it, to nurture it so that it marches on over time. What a neat, neat, neat way to close out the chapter on imagination. So if you liked what you saw and heard here today, be sure to like and share this video with someone you know who could benefit from it. And also subscribe to the channel so that you'll get more videos as we move forward and launch new videos in the series. So I look forward to seeing you and serving you in the next video where we're gonna talk about chapter seven, organized planning.